0: Welcome back to the Mountain People podcast with me, your host Andy Cave. Here's a slice
1: of what's ahead. Let's try to get from Umnak to Upernavik via sea kayaking, and then climb a big cliff once we're up there.
2: We just had whales like swimming around our kayaks, like especially in the fjord. There seemed to be like yeah,
1: all around us, all around, it was like, just beautiful whales, and, like, and kind of and... playing with us. They would swim under our boats um, and, and sort of like yeah move around and they and like flick
2: their tails up and then dive deep and disappear for a while and then come
1: back. It's not about like going out and like conquering a big cliff. I go out there to like feel small and feel weak. it's almost like you feel just like at the mercy of the of the place that you're in and that's one of the draws of doing the trips.
0: In this episode, I'm excited to chat with Squamish-based climbers Jacob Cook and Bronwyn Hodges. This married duo are no strangers to big journeys across vast landscapes, searching out first ascents. We chat about an epic 65-day human-powered expedition through north-eastern Greenland, where the six-strong team kayak and porter for over 300 kilometers through a series of fjords and inlets. They establish numerous first ascents before reaching and climbing the vast 1,000-meter-tall Kursar Wall. They make a film of their adventure too, called Sea to Summit. Here, the duo share wonderful insights on how they find and then plan for these huge trips. I ask, what are the critical success factors? What's their motivation? And what are the moments that make it all worthwhile? Jacob, Bron, great, great to see you. Where are you exactly? Are you, are you in like a, a part of your house or is it the closet or?
1: Oh yeah, it's our closet. <laughs> we're in the bedroom closet.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And whereabouts um, in the world are you?
2: We're in Squamish, Squamish in Canada.
0: That's mm-hmm. your home, right? Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. We moved out here about yeah. five years ago. I
0: mean,
1: home. It. I think like.
0: Home I'm base. Pro- yeah, home maybe. base.
1: Like we're probably only here like four months a year, I would guess. Because um, you're always but, off gallivanting. Because we do a lot of gallivanting, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And it, if you, unless unless you like skiing, it's really bad in the winter here. So it, my strategy for living in Squamish is to not live in Squamish in the winter if I can possibly avoid it. Right, so we we're not going to chat about powder skiing here, are we?
0: I hope not. <laughs> no. no, we're going, we're no, going we to we just
2: have a kind of cold summer.
0: Yeah, yeah, we really kind like of it. missed summer this year. You say you don't like winter, but you know, I've seen a lot of your trips. You're going to places that look like you know, they are cold at times, right?
2: Yeah, we seem to spend our summers in the Arctic, like not infrequently.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's not. Yeah, we definitely. Yeah, kind of go to bad choices for summer if you like sun. but
2: And if you like heat. I mean, yeah. If you like sun, I mean, we're going above the Arctic Circle most of these trips. Um, True. We get sun all the time. It's 24-hour 24, 24 daylight. Yeah, so.
1: more sun than anywhere else. Absolutely. Well,
0: let's <laughs> dive straight in. I mean, I know you've, you've been to Greenland in the past, right? How long ago was – when was your first trip there?
1: Yeah, right. So, I went to Greenland um, – for the first time in 2013 so that was nine summers ago and it was kind of like my first big remote trip um and it was also my first time working with Rab I think they gave us some free jackets for that trip which was like a bold move on their part because like I don't know we we didn't really know what we were doing um and yeah I just was like completely mind blown by that trip like we were just miles out of our depth, or I definitely was. What was the
0: most adventurous place you'd been to before you went on that trip?
1: (laughs) Yeah, probably like (laughs) Gogarth. Well, come Uh, on, it's pretty adventurous. Gogarth is pretty adventurous, but it's like maxes out at about four pitches. And then suddenly we were like at the base of this big cliff called the Horn of Upernovic, which is like 30 pitches. And it's kind of like a different scale than anything I'd done before. And uh, yeah, I wasn't. As prepared as I could have been. <laughs> um, Brom, you you hadn't been to Greenland before. No, your... no,
2: yeah, Jacob went to Greenland. That was the first summer we had just started dating, um, like that year.
1: Yeah, so, so did... I guess we yeah we met in like two thousand and twelve. So yeah, we've been together like a year, and then Brom went back to Canada, and I went off to Greenland.
2: I um, was a river guide um, for a number of seasons in Canada, and was like very, um, I guess, accustomed or or a like. Experience in like living in the wilderness for like a month or two at a time and knowing like what to pack in terms of like a menu or like first aid supplies or just like general camping equipment and like how to kind of establish yourself living in sort of a really remote environment for a a long period of time so I remember giving Jacob like some kind of tips about that because he's from like central London and basically climbed at like crags around England yeah yeah giving them like menu ideas and, and kind of like yeah, how, most, to, how to sort of exist. Most
1: of my sort <laughs> of like wilderness, like long-term wilderness travel experience like comes from Bronwyn for sure. Excellent. So like, yeah, shared skills, pull the skills. And
0: this particular exactly. trip, just tell us about what was the concept? Uh, I mean, I know that you, I mean, how long have you been back? Just a few weeks?
2: Oh yeah. Three weeks maybe now?
0: Uh Yeah. A... About a
2: month. Of it. We've been back about a month. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a long trip, wasn't it? Like, 65 days and what was the idea what was the dream
1: um yes so i guess the kind of um the origin spark was that when i was there before in 2013 we were on this sailing boat um to kind of get around and we wanted to start in this southern area and then do some climbing there and then move up um about 400 kilometers to uh, another area like further north but the boat kind of broke or some aspects of the boat broke it didn't sink um, but some aspects of the boat broke and we never actually made it to the further northern area and so I've always kind of had in the back of my mind that I wanted to go there because I had a couple of photos of some of the walls there and the, the rock quality looked like a lot better than the Southern area near Umanac where we, where I'd spent my time in 2013. And so I've kind of been into um, human powered adventure uh, over the past few years. We've done a couple of big trips, one to Baffin Island and one to the Circle of the Unclimbables that were like combined paddling climbing. And so I guess the germ of the idea was like, could I start in the Southern area around this town, around this town called Umanac and get to the Northern area around this, town called Upernovik uh, sort of like get from where I'd been before to this other place I wanted to go under my own steam um, like with sort of like sea kayaking Um, and so yeah the germ of the the trip was like let's try to get from Umanak to Upernovik via sea kayaking and then climb a big cliff or two once we're once we're up there sounds pretty <laughs> well, adventurous cliffs,
2: like all along the way i mean basically the te- the that whole coastline just just has like huge granite cliffs rising out of the ocean and for sure like now having been there we uh, we can attest to the uh the truth and that the earlier place the earlier region was um was a little chassier than the northern region region. So but I mean, of... there are just huge cliffs all the way along that route. And we put up a few lines like on on the way and um and then climb this like kind of big cliff at the end. Um but yeah just like the whole way whether we're climbing or just paddling past the cliffs is like pretty spectacular. Um
0: and is the climbing that. a rest from the paddling or is the paddling a rest from the climbing on this sort of trip?
2: I would say that there was a little bit of a lack of resting
1: yeah okay (laughs) this this trip i think was the hardest in of all the trips we've done or all the trips i've ever done in terms of like sustained physical discomfort (laughs) like i think i was more afraid of dying on baffin island but on this one i was definitely like more uncomfortable for longer um yeah just
2: exhausted yeah
1: just like like basically we were much slower than we expected like our ground speed in the kayaks was a bit slower than we'd hoped uh just because of how how much stuff we had and and just like various things and and so we basically ended up having to basically we just had no rest days and we just paddled every day for like eight to 12 hours in the boats and then kind of collapse and then just do the same thing again the next day um and so in some ways i'd say the climbing was a rest from the paddling i think if I was to choose we one. we had to
2: choose one, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> Once we got to
1: the big cliff, it was kind of like, okay, we can actually stay in the same place. I'm just thinking of the kit. There's obviously the
0: hardware, the boats, the paddles. Then you've got all the climbing hardware, the ropes, the cams and everything, and ledges or whatever you need. But I'm just thinking about clothing. Presumably you've got, there's stuff. some crossover, but quite different sort of sets of clothing as well.
1: Yeah, completely. So, yeah. Um... Yeah, basically we we sort of ummed and about the best um, paddling equi- like clothing to take because we've got our, our like layering systems for kind of alpine climbing or, or mountaineering um, like pretty dialed, but like the paddling, we basically weren't sure whether we needed full dry suits and we ended up deciding that we did need full dry suits and then we brought full dry suits and I was very happy that we had full dry suits. Um, So yeah, we were completely different. Like basically we would paddle all day in the dry suits and then you come out of the water and you're kind of freezing. um, And we'd put on like full puffy suit, you know, down pants, down jacket, uh, like the whole uh, array.
0: And food-wise, I'm just trying to think. Presumably, I mean, you need in ideally, you're burning a lot of calories, but you know, how are you budgeting the food per day?
2: Yeah, from? I mean, I there's lots of ways to go about that. Um, I usually just pack for a number of meals. Um, so we were out there for sixty-five days, um, so we would have had about seventy probably days, um, or seventy of, of each meal. So packing like seventy breakfast, seventy. Um, lunches 70 dinners and then 70 like day snack portion i guess
0: how much does a day weigh for for two people for example roughly
2: oh i don't actually do it um, by weight really i yeah, have just I like ratio. We, we do and, it like...
1: more by like calorie count or something right. but also like making sure you have good uh like mixture of food groups you know like fat protein um carbohydrates and some like some kind of vegetables, even though obviously like fresh veg doesn't last terribly long. But we had a lot of dehydrated food, so we, we, we had a lot of the prepackaged um, meals, um, like various brands, and and uh, and then also um,
2: do a lot of our own. We did a lot of
1: our own dehydrating, mm-hmm. and Zach's mom So Zach, Zach, who's one yeah, of tell the us about members the team. of the trip. Yeah. Well, so Zach was one of the members of the trip who we've been on a lot of these big trips with before. He came to Baffin Island with us in 2019. And his mom uh, is like, gets really into the, the home <laughs> cooking and cooks us a lot of meals and dehydrates them.
2: Yeah, my mom did some dehydrating as well. We had, yeah, some, yeah. We had some little <laughs>
1: assistance <laughs>
2: so from the parents.
1: Home-cooked <laughs> meals. <laughs> yeah, it
0: was great. So yeah. how many people were on the trip all together?
2: There were six of us. Yeah, okay. so Jacob and I and then four others.
0: And they're um, people you've, you've done a lot of trips with before, so it's a tried and tested team.
2: Yeah, I mean, not exactly. As people, know, <laughs> <laughs> not, not a, we hadn't been anywhere like this exact group before. Um, most people knew each other. Um, we knew everyone. But, uh, yeah, kind of a mix. There was some, so was, uh, the team was Zach and Kelsey and Angela and Jaren. Um, and, I don't know one by one. I don't know. Uh, Zach is like one of my longest, closest friends. Like I, we grew up together. I've known him since I was three. Um, and he's also very close now with Jacob too. He came to the Cirque of the Unclimbables and to Baffin Island, so kind of has been on all of our big expeditions. Um. And. uh, And he has
1: like a very particular skill set. Like if you ask him, he'll tell you that. He's, like, not a very strong climber. He's not a very good paddler. He's
2: like, why am uh, I, I like, on this why trip? am
1: I here? But he's, like, absolutely essential. Like, Zach is, like, the mastermind spreadsheet organizer of, like, everything that comes on the trip and, like, you know, in, in terms of, like, the, the sort of, like, fine detail stuff. And then he's also, like, a soft goods designer. So he was, like, worked with um, a brand in Squamish grade 7 designing the inflatable um, the pods. Um and he's also so so he's like our repair man too. So and was, when you're on
2: a trip for this long with this much equipment, and we're going like, we're kind of like pretty brutal on the equipment. I mean, we're definitely like,
1: um, destroying.
2: Yeah, a lot <laughs> <of
1: stuff>.
2: yeah. <laughs> Things break. Um, having kind of someone who's super knowledgeable in just like gear repair is like, um,
0: maybe so a short trip. So for example, less when
1: two of out of six boats broke on day one,
0: <laughs> no way. We, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so how did you manage that? sorry how did you cope with that
1: basically you had to mend them or yeah we had two days
2: where we stopped and sewed them and glued them up
1: so our first day we paddled 10 kilometers out of 400 got to the end of that day and then looked at two of the boats and they had like big rips down the side um and
2: these are inflatable kayaks yeah
1: these are inflatable kayaks so so what did you what did you feel there what were you thinking what was your thought i mean it was like the whole trip was was like just like kind of crashing down around us it's like well maybe this is just impossible you know like maybe we can repair these two rips but if they keep ripping like this is just not going to happen and so we spent after that first day we spent two days um basically like stationary uh sewing the boats back together and gluing them um and we were on uh like satellite messaging with the manufacturer um to to like figure out the best glue to use and and sort of like how best to repair them and we repaired them. And it was, yeah, it was really tense. And then it, for like multiple weeks after that, it was like, if they break again, you know, like it, are we gonna be able to repair them? Cause we were also like, interestingly that we were running out of needles and needles kept snapping cause pushing the needles to sew the boats through the fabric, cause the fabric's quite thick was, was really, really hard. And so the needles would snap. And so we were running out of needles. And so we, <laughs> and it was very, very hard to make a needle um out of <laughs> other material yeah it's all, all, impossible so next uh, time
2: bring more needles in bring more
1: needles yeah. yeah so yeah, so that's, yeah a, got... that's
2: a roundup long answer for zach no yeah, no but
1: zach. i imagine
0: yeah you've got you've got like all those cams and the, the ledgers whatever but actually needles were the thing that you yeah yeah, yeah we were running out of needles and lighters
1: <laughs> we were like our okay. lighters
0: it... were gradually dying what was the issue was it was it rocks or was it bits of ice or what was causing the rips do you think in the boats
2: Oh, they, we just, like, had so much gear. Like, we were kind of just, like, using them to their max capacity, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah, and we, we, I, I mean, it was, like, pretty specific. Basically, there was, like, these little, like, loops on either side of the pontoons, and we were, like, tensioning, uh, like, to hold... Because we had the boats full of gear, and then we had extra gear on top, and then we were strapping the extra gear down, and we were tensioning these loops that weren't actually supposed to be tensioned, and so that that's what caused it. So then after that, we started strapping gear just, like all the way around the boat um so with like the strap going underneath like underwater that the boats didn't break after that so mm. that was good
0: well mate i mean I it must be amazing the, the furthest i'm trying to think where i've been above the arctic circle not many i mean in alaska but that was just sort of snowy mountains but i guess lofoten islands in norway is a place that i remember where the light was beautiful and the sort of 24 hour sun i would imagine it was well that's what that kind of place and tell yeah. us a little bit about that the light and then also I don't know that the wildlife or the plants you see or no plants or yeah what just try and describe the journey from
2: the scene yeah for sure um yeah we were definitely very far north we were actually quite a bit further north um than uh than where we were on baffin island um we were at the 72nd parallel i think so we started um, a bit
1: below and ended a bit above the seventy second and the
2: arctic circle yeah. is at the 69th so quite a bit above the arctic circle um and we were yeah out there for two and a bit months and we basically had a little bit of darkness where we pulled out our headlamp for the first time kind of in the last couple days um so it really was like no not even dusk really just the sun circling overhead in these big circles um yeah daylight just like at all hours which was very um it uh yeah we kind of lost track of time a little quite a lot and we ended up um because we were uh, a lot of the kayaking we were on a, bit, a schedule with the tides um you want to be trying to go with the, the the fastest outflow um that's kind of going in your direction and then stop when it's kind of going against you just to be and the efficient. winds
1: too we'd sort of time out paddling with the winds yeah um,
2: and so the kind of like 24 hour um rhythm that the whole rest of the world <laughs> kind of lives by i kind of went out the window and there was all these like other like forces of nature that were more important and more relevant to us like the wind and the tides um and uh, because tides are kind of on a 20 24 and a half 25 hour cycle we ended up slowly actually um, having longer days than than the than normal and we ended up over the course of the trip actually losing three four days four four calendar days like yeah. we experienced
1: so we had four fewer days than like 65 calendar days passed but 64 sleep no sorry 61 sleep yeah and also
2: in there we had a few like ridiculous kind of very long climbing alpine style (laughs) climbing bushes that kind of just also mess things up
0: did you come across much wildlife or other people or locals or just tell us a little bit about that through the arc of the trip
1: um so yeah almost There's, there's kind of like we started and ended in a community um and other than like a few sort of like local fishermen we'd see for like a day or two either side like close to the communities we didn't see another human like the whole time we were out there Um, and especially uh, Ukusisat fjord was like a big fjord we traveled up for about 100 kilometers and right in the middle of our journey I don't think anyone goes in there because the the entrance to the fjord is quite shallow so the locals even like the local fishermen don't take boats in there so there was like really nobody home for for like that middle section of our journey which was kind of cool to be to be like really a long way away from from the nearest human
2: but that Um, fjord was also we're not sure exactly why but maybe it's a little bit warmer because of how shallow it is um but it seemed to be like a bath for for whales um we just had whales like swimming around our kayaks like especially in this fjord we saw a few whales other spots too but especially in this fjord there seemed to be like
1: yeah all around us all around and and kind of playing with us they would swim under our boats um and, and sort of like yeah move around and, and like
2: flick their tails up and then dive deep and disappear for a while and then come back yeah, yeah. um so that was, cool. that that was sounds, the main yeah. wildlife we, we yeah. saw a few other lots of birds um muskox
1: oh so the big like huge hairy
2: yeah, muskox. horned muskox yeah that was a yeah. big one um, um some arctic
1: foxes but no polar bears which was yeah. excellent because we were very worried about polar bears we actually had a um a perimeter fence that went around our campsite um sort of like a trip wire um, that uh, the polar bear would set off that would like fire a blank shotgun shell uh, out of the fence and so that would like A wake us up and B hopefully like startle the bear Um, and then we got yeah we also had a a gun Um, and so yeah that was like kind of like a constant background worry for like a lot of the trip it's like because also as we went further north we were going more and more into bear country. but, we didn't, see but we didn't see one. Yeah, we saw zero polar bears, <laughs> which is my favorite number of polar bears. Absolutely. So tell us a
0: bit about the climbing. So it sounded like there was some you passed through some sort of geological fault, so sort of the the rock improved as you went north, right?
1: Yeah, so there's a different type of rock in the northern area. So actually in the middle of our journey we had a, a weak um of of portaging so so actually like the the sea ran out and we had a week of carrying all our equipment up and over this height of land 20 kilometers down into the ocean on the other side and it was like really dramatic as soon as we dropped into the ocean on the other side the rock changed um completely and and became like this really kind of hard uh, compact red granite Mm -hmm. um and so yeah that's what we ended up climbing on mostly and we kind of like did a couple of climbs in uh, like alpine style uh, without, without like bivvy gear we, we just kind of like you know just a rope and a rack and some snacks and you keep going till you get to the top um, we did the two climbs in that style um, as two teams of three uh, as as we were going and then we spent the last kind of like three weeks working on uh, like a big wall climb up this 900 meter cliff uh, called Kea or Sanderson's Hope uh, it's like it was like the old uh, name for it, Sanderson was like some uh, white explorer, I guess. Um, but uh, so the local name is Kaysalswak, um, which sp- sure I'm
2: sure we're pronouncing terribly.
1: Yeah, and we spent uh, yeah the final three weeks kind of like climbing that in wall style. Um, uh, so we, yeah, we had a portal edge camp, and, and uh, yeah, the, fo- the whole kitchen sink of uh, big wall climbing. And were you following like corners and cracks,
0: trying to pick a line in that way? Mm-hmm. Did it lend itself yeah. to that? Yeah.
1: Yeah, so.
2: I don't know if where we start. Talk about the alpine climb first, in chronological.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, yeah, I, probably the, the main climb was like the the Sanders and Hope one. Sure. So we could we could talk about mm-hmm. that.
0: Yeah, talk about Sanders Hope. So nine hundred meters. I mean, just to give it scale, I'm sure there's lots of climbers listening, but some people might not
1: necessarily yeah, be hardcore climbers. Yeah, it's an That's pretty about big. One yes. El Capitan. So it's it's like.
2: Almost a kilometer. Yeah,
1: some sort of natural force seems to be at work where, like, the biggest walls in the world are all about one kilometer tall. <laughs> biggest
2: um, granite yeah, walls. the
1: biggest granite. Well, the biggest are any kind of walls. Yeah. Uh, they're mostly granite. Um. But, yeah, I don't, I don't really know why that is. But, yeah, so it's kind of, like, around an El Cap, a tiny bit smaller than the biggest part of El Cap. And just so- rises
2: straight out of the ocean. So we actually belayed the first pitch, um, like, directly out of the kayak. Like, the one person is sitting, like, in the kayak... Um, You can, like, poke your belay loop through the kind of, like, P-zip of the dry suit so you can keep your dry suit on yeah. and then, like, belay through your dry suit Um, and Excellent. the first person, like, leads up out of the boat until they can get to, like, a stance where they can kind of get out of their dry suit and sort of more into their, like, climbing shoes and then and then like carry on up the pitch and build an anchor yeah um, and so which is <laughs> kind of like and
1: so the line transition. yeah we ended up trying this line uh on kind of like the right side of the face um that yeah looked like well so so the wall had been climbed twice before but it had been aid climbed and we uh we our kind of goal was to free climb the wall uh um Very different and, yes different a different line or were you trying to free one of the aid lines yeah so we weren't sure until we got there I and mean, we kind of got there and, and spent actually like a couple of days kind of like talking through our options of like what line to try because it's quite committing once you kind of commit to a line you you you're like a bit it's quite hard to then be like oh actually this one doesn't go we should go over there so it feels like a big decision and we ended up trying a completely new line um kind of like a little bit right of center um up these it's kind of like these three cracks uh, that kind of took us almost all the way up the wall with just like these big question mark uh, traverse sections between the cracks that look like-
2: crack switches. Yeah, like, like crack
1: switches. You go up one crack and it would end and then you'd have to traverse left and then get into this other crack and then go up this other crack and then traverse left again to get into the third crack. And uh, yeah, so those were like the big question marks. And, and looking at it, I actually thought it was quite unlikely that the climb would go free. Like, the, the face looks really, really steep and blank. Um, and so, yeah, we were definitely, like, quite apprehensive about that, but also, like, yeah, just excited I mean, to have an would be adventure. be just to, like,
2: try and get to the top of it and then, like, yeah. uh, the, the kind of goal after that, depending on what we find. is Yeah,
1: goal number one, don't die. Yeah. Goal number two, get to the top. Goal number three, like, do, do some free climbing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. And presumably, yeah.
0: by the time you actually... You was quite a few days in before you even started on this nine hundred meter
1: wall.
2: Oh yeah, tra- I mean we were
1: yeah like, getting getting on for forty days probably yeah. um uh, in Greenland before we actually started climbing on. The yeah, wall. I mean it's, yeah. so it's it not like, like you a just month of paddling.
0: Yeah, it's not like you're just getting your power up indoors before getting out on your local project. You know, <laughs> you, it's like forty days of graft and other climbs.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. Although, like. Yeah, I'd say it's more like climbing a big cliff like that is not so much about your like power, you know, like tra- training on a moon board is, is not really going to help you. It's not going it to help you out there, is it? Hope, no. you know? It's it's more about, yeah, like experience and, and just kind of like number of pitches and, and sort of like experience, like choosing a line and finding your way up those, those uh, big faces. Um,
2: yeah, understanding how to read the rock and then all like systems and being efficient and knowing how to just move around in that sort of like terrain
1: yeah um, and fixing yeah i was, was just
0: thinking good. maybe about your your general energy levels then where you're already you still had plenty in
1: the tank you felt
0: like when you got there
1: yeah i mean pretty different type of energy yeah pretty exhausted from the paddling but i also find I i get quite energized on those trips on the big I mean, trips. it was
2: pretty motivating like we've been paddling past these huge cliffs the, the whole month and we basically turned this corner and the biggest most solid, most beautiful cliff that we had seen of the entire journey was the one that we had been like paddling towards and to like kind of see that and, and be like, I don't know, we, we had photos and Jacob and, and like, I mean, both of us had done lots of research um, to, to, that led us to believe that would be a good cliff, but to then turn the corner and it just be like, wow, that's our objective. Um, was like pretty motivating regardless of what your what your energy is at i guess yeah Yeah. i mean
1: yeah i wouldn't wouldn't say it was like yeah i was just just so happy to be there and just like so lucky that there was this amazing unclimbed line on the right side of the face and yeah just like yeah wouldn't want to be high stoke yeah high high stoke
2: yeah we were just really excited to get on it
0: how were the weather gods for that part of the trip
1: were they kind
2: not entire, not no. very kind at all, actually. <laughs> yeah, good we question. had
1: we had like amazing weather for the paddling and the whole time it was just like glorious sunshine and I was just like, kept being like, it can't just be sunshine forever. Like, I really hope we're not just getting the good weather now and then we're going to get bad weather on the wall. And then, yeah, we did have pretty bad weather on the wall. So
2: we were nearing the end. So by the time we arrived at the wall, it was mid-August, which is kind of the end of summer. Um, in yeah, these, summers like, really
1: short there. Um,
2: So we did end up sitting out, um, a number of days of, uh, kind of rain slash snowstorm, um, up in the port ledges while we were up there. We spent, we ended up spending a week, um, so we kind of fixed some lines, um, kind of moving equipment up and getting the line kind of established about halfway up. Uh, and then we committed to the wall and to a wall camp in the middle of the wall. And we spent a week up there, um, in port ledges, kind of getting ourselves, um,
1: but of up that week, a lot of the days were spent just yeah. like sitting in like zero around. It was like hovering around zero degrees and just like rain slash snow for like yeah, basically four days. We were
2: up there for a week, and I think three of the days were climbable, and four of the days were just inside of our very small <laughs> storm fly portal edge capsules.
1: Yeah, um, gradually getting soaked. Was yeah, quite miserable. It's my first time sitting out a proper storm in a in a portal edge, and would not recommend it. And then, yeah, after like four days in the storm, we were kind of like sitting in the portal edge camp and it was still kind of raining, but like, no, well... seemed just like a tiny bit brighter. And we were like,
2: it was kind of just like a thick mist. kind
1: of Yeah. Like, like thick sort of humid mist. And I remember like saying to the rest of the team, like, Hey guys, like, I think I'm going to try and go climbing.
0: <laughs> and <laughs> we were like, people were like, you're
1: crazy. You're insane. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, it's not I raining think it's right a good now. idea started climbing just like in the worst conditions imaginable. Like the rock was just soaked and just like freezing cold hands and like, yeah, I couldn't feel my hands at all and, and sort of climbed like two pitches like that. And then we just like popped out above the storm and we were climbing above this, like, just like perfect cloud inversion. And actually like in the sunshine, it was like, it's like being on an airplane where you like pop out above the clouds. And so the portal edge camp was still in the storm. And me, Bronwyn, and Kelsey were, like, climbing up above the, the clouds. And we, so we, we were down. radioing down, like, you guys have got to come up here. Like, it's it's sun. I'm climbing in the sun. And they were like, yeah, right. Like, whatever. They
2: are just sitting down in camp, like, in a storm. <laughs> like, what <laughs> are you talking about?
1: Wonderful. <laughs> um, so
2: then the, the other three, like, came up the ropes and, and joined us. Just, yeah, in the sun above the, above the cloud inversion. Yeah, I mean, we ended up going and to the summit up...
1: that, that day. Yeah, just we had this huge kind of 24 hour day um getting we just everyone to the, to the summit, summit
2: and we were on the summit like in the sun just like i don't know surrounds just like this epic panorama view of all of these like cliffs in every direction that you could see over the top of because we were on one of the tallest yeah. in the whole area and then just like seeing the ocean stretching like beyond all the cliffs
0: um, so you guys obviously clouds, yeah there's something very special about these places that attracts you, you know, Greenland, Baffin Island. And I noticed that on one of your posts, Jacob, you talked about, you know, that that thing of feeling small. And I guess there's something about it, isn't it, for both of you being in, among such big country with big walls and all the elements that that brings.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I, I, I think kind of like the, the, yeah, part of the draw for me is is it's not about like going out and like conquering a big cliff or like, you know, being strong out there. It's about feeling I go out there to like feel small and feel weak and and feel just like it, it's almost like you feel just like at the mercy of the of the place that you're in. And that's one of the draws of doing the trips um, like human powered is to get to kind of experience the landscape on its own terms, because because a lot of the time we like you know, you'll fly into an area and you just get plopped there magically. And then you do some climbing and then you fly out again. And you don't really have a sense of kind of like it, where you are in a grander landscape or what it means to move through that landscape. Um, and so, yeah, a big part of the draw for those trips for me is moving through the landscape, feeling small in a small team of friends. Um, and yeah, kind of spending the time as well. It takes a long time, uh, getting to like be in the wilderness for that long is is like quite a big draw
0: yeah and you you, you, from what you, you you have to give a lot of yourself there as well to make it happen yeah
2: and I think you have to kind of work with with the landscape and work with the weather it's the weather or the tides or the wind or the um you know I feel like you can't be like fighting against it you have to kind of be reading what's happening and then kind of work
1: with it and yeah and kind of listening to what's around you like I, I think a lot of the time especially in cities and stuff we're kind of like uh get distanced from kind of like the natural world around us and, and like when you're out on the when I, I find when I'm out on these big trips I get like quite in tune with with all of those things the weather and the tide and the and the wildlife and the wind and and you know like how the how the landscape is formed um, yeah, all of all of those things become really front and center in in your experience, and that, that's quite nice, I think. And that's, that's like a good good part of it.
0: Coming home, what's that like after such a big trip? What's the best bit about coming back
1: home?
2: <laughs> like we came home, and I think I've slept for a week. <laughs>
1: <And> then... <laughs> yeah, um, my my Thermarest broke about a month halfway through the trip, so I was kind of just sleeping on the ground for the second half. So sleeping in a bed was was really really nice. To be on that trip, you, you, it's kind of like everything's turned up to ten, and you're just like, just constantly kind of like switched on. Like, are we gonna get eaten by a polar bear? Like, are we gonna get blown out to sea by these winds? You know, like, am I gonna like knock this rock off onto my friends? Like,
2: yeah, you're conscious, you're like a risk of... management and a self, like a kind of, um, you can't just relax for. You know kind of not pay attention to these things for a day or two because then you might end up like getting all of your clothing wet and then now you're stuck with like wet clothing in a really cold environment so you have to just kind of be like on everything and like on top of everything sort of all the time you can't really
1: and know. also a big part of the 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 kind of like a major goal of the trip for me is is, is like storytelling and, and making a, a film of our of our trip and that's actually like something i really enjoy it's not like i just kind of get the video camera out and wave it around sometimes it's like it's like the storytelling aspect is like part of the draw for me it's kind of like a creative um thing to do Mm -hmm. to kind of like make it make a story of what we've been doing and so like filming the trip is is part of the trip um but then also it's it's quite exhausting to be like always like i should get the camera out now or like like we should film this and so it's it quite nice to, to come home and be like actually i don't don't need to film this part <laughs> yeah
0: yeah. yeah. Um, so when that's, when, that's when when really might we see good. a film no pressure but when when might we see a film oh
1: very soon yeah
2: actually
0: oh how exciting um,
2: the, the film premiere <laughs> is is uh, going to be in the brit rock in uh on november okay. 2nd guess, yeah so, so
1: alistair lee uh who runs who makes the brit rock film tour has uh taken on our massive jumbled footage and is currently Thank editing so, it sir. uh and it's going to be yeah it premieres in sheffield on november 2nd and then i think at oh, kendall on perfect. november 19th yeah
2: so, so very soon excellent yeah yeah, yeah, yeah we're excited great. too we're actually yeah kind of stepping back a little bit on the editing process for this one so we're yeah excited it's, to see it's what great it I, turns I, out I,
1: like
0: yeah it's been absolutely brilliant to chat with you guys but i was just thinking of thinking about your younger selves you know climbers maybe getting into it thinking about going somewhere more adventurous like Greenland what are your top tips I mean you know in terms of finding objectives I mean people might not necessarily want to do such a hardcore trip like you you you've done but even to go out there for say a month any 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 tips if you've kind of if you've only been to (laughs) Gogarth and then you're thinking of heading out of Greenland what are the main things you need to be kind of Be aware of.
2: Um, we were talking a little bit about this just before the call actually. I think that our kind of main advice is just like start early. Um, it takes a long time to plan these things and inevitably you'll end up with it with some last minute kind of hurdles that you'll have to deal with. But um if you we typically sort of allow ourselves pretty much a year for if we have like a big kind of exhibition of this scale planned, um, yeah, we usually start planning it as close to a year in advance as as possible. Um and that just like gives you the time to really i'm um, just like the logistics of kind of like um i mean if you, especially if you haven't been to a, a place before a new country or a new area that's like not very commonly accessed um then you, you'll end up like reaching out to the few other teams that have maybe been in the area before and kind of finding out what they did but your plan is kind of slightly different from that and then kind of making um kind of making your own logistics up basically from like gathering all this information and from resources that you can find.
0: I, I know that in the U sort of British climbers can apply for funding for, to the BMC and Mount Everest foundations. And then mm-hmm. part of the part of the deal of that is that you write up a report and those reports are sort of kept, I believe, online. So were you mm-hmm. part of that process as well?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So I, to, in order to make this trip happen and previous trips I've been on, I, I kind of like applied for every, Possible grant under the sun that might support us, <laughs> um, and yeah, so we got some some great uh, support from uh, from various grants, like yeah, the BMC and the Mount Everest Foundation, um, Canadian so, and Canadians,
2: the yeah, well.
1: Canadian they, Alpine they, Club, the Canadian Alpine Club, and, mm-hmm. and various um, climbers
0: can go and find that report if they needed the yeah. sort of logistical contacts, information, and things like that. Absolutely.
2: Mm -hmm. and we'll be writing up a good uh, yeah a very detailed we have a very detailed actually it's it's online on our website um like pdf document of everything every logistics possible um for our baffin uh trip and we'll be doing the same thing for this one i think it's really cool actually something about the climbing community especially kind of expedition climbing remote climbing it's pretty small the community like it's international and pretty small and everyone is like very happy to kind of share information and and in some ways it's almost like it's a really cool experience for us like if we share information about a trip and then that allows someone else to go and have their own kind of experience out there that's like uh, it it's, feels it's really like a social nice
1: for doing these trips that is like so remote you know like it feels like you're really out there and there's nobody else out there but almost because so few people go to these places it's weirdly social you reach out to someone who's been there like 10 years 10 ago, years you ago know? and you're like tell me about this cliff in the middle of nowhere in Greenland that you went to 10 years ago and they're like oh yeah And they'll I'd send love you to. all the photos and like yeah and you it's, trip report it, it's and... so important the time that we spend in these places and it like I know that when people reach out to me about you know specifics about the areas I've been to I'm like very happy to to kind of like help them with that information but yeah I, I was just going to say on the on the Kind of like advice for, for planning these things. There's there's kind of like a weird um, split where you you kind of can and have to plan as if your life depends on it. Like you know, planning for this trip was like a year of basically a full time job. You know, for a split between Bron and I of like making it happen, like getting the funding, making sure we had the right equipment, um, like figuring out all of our logistics, et cetera, et cetera. But then there's this moment where you suddenly on the trip and it's like the planning, all the planning in the world can only get you like 50% of the way there. And with these big trips, the other 50% is just complete unknown. And like, it's kind of like, it's like this weird mental shift with like, all right, now we're out here. We've done all the planning, but like, there's still just so many unknowns, you know, like, especially with our journey, our paddling journey, like, we just didn't know what we were going to find because there was no information about, you know, I could see on Google Earth, like some of the areas we were going to be, but uh, there was no photos. There's, n- there's no information about like a lot of the areas we were going to be in. So it's it's kind of like this weird little, jump from planning to then like, all right, what are we going to find and, and kind of being open to to shifting your plans based on just like what you find.
2: Um, with that said google earth excellent resource we definitely study google earth like our port our week-long overland portage um we were able to like figure out we knew exactly like what the gradient was going to be and kind of like um
1: yeah detailed elevation profile you no know, exactly and stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah things like that um, yeah but, brilliant
0: and the best time of year to go there Oh, you 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 hard to oh, say but' summer. Yeah. summer
2: any arctic expedition i mean you
0: july do the and the
1: august
2: it's two months basically yeah. july and and august, august is kind of snowy
1: if you want to go free climbing uh you have to go in the summer i know people go to baffin like there's basically the sea is frozen in april may in in a lot of those arctic areas baffin greenland and so a lot of the access to the walls is actually quite a lot easier in april may because you can get sort of like a, a skidoo or or dog sled team uh, out to a lot of the walls uh, instead of paddling or or, or getting a boat uh, but the trouble is, is that time of year, it's way colder. Um, so a lot more sort of Wait, like aid
2: like climbing
1: and big expedition down suits. If that's what you're into, you can go in the spring. But if you're into free climbing like us, you have to go in the summer.
2: Yeah, by far. Basically, July is like the warm month.
1: Yeah, you want to be and there in July. The more you push it into Halfway August. Halfway through August, it's like the start of winter. It's so quick.
0: Um very quickly, because I know you, you two never sit still for that long. Yeah, I so, think we're both going out climbing this afternoon. <laughs> yeah, and then you've got for the rest of the autumn, other trips are in the states and Canada. What What are your plans? It.
2: Yep. Yeah. Got plans immediately. <laughs> um,
0: you
1: J- to go yeah.
2: Sure. Um, I'm headed down to Moab, um, Utah. It's kind of desert. Uh, Land of desert cracks. Desert sandstone. Land of the cracks. Exactly. Yep. Um, I've got some plans down there actually to climb some uh, some roof cracks. So I've been very specifically training uh, hor- horizontal. Um, ah, so you've been you've, you've had some
0: kind sort of Randall Whitaker esque sort of cellar mm-hmm. scenes. Is that yep, right? Been yeah, been in
2: touch with them, hoping they put up some roots up there that I'm excited to go check out. Excellent. Um, yeah, so just yeah. shifted, shifted completely. And from Jacob, sort of have you have you been
0: to... roof crack training, or you've been doing something I else? I have not. No.
1: I've been doing complete opposite. So because I'm heading down to Yosemite, uh, kind of like the end of next week, okay. um, with some some plans. Like I, I, I yeah, I want to. You know, the Greenland trip was was really really great, but I I felt like I, it was like a lot of paddling to like not actually that much climbing and i feel like a lot of desire to climb a lot so yeah hoping to to maybe try the double so the nose and half dome in a day or
2: basically just climbing a lot of
1: pitches pitches in yosemite (laughs) um yeah and then yeah then i'll be coming back to kendall uh to go to the the premiere of our greenland film in in November so oh
0: brilliant well if I'm if I'm there um, we'll, we'll have a beer although this show might actually yeah, go out after out. that but that would be <laughs> really cool yeah okay yeah that sounds great well it's like been that. absolutely brilliant to chat with you thanks for sharing your uh, adventure and um, yeah absolutely people can too. follow you on Instagram we'll put some links in there and maybe a link to the film as well so stay safe and have a fabulous autumn yeah
1: thanks, yeah. thanks a lot cheers thanks a lot. Cheers. Nice one.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I've been your host, Andy Cave, and you've been listening to the Rab Mountain People podcast. To keep up to date and to hear more interviews like this, don't forget to subscribe.